0: In Petersburg, everything's fine. All lamb cats is drinking that wine. Drinking that mess is their delight. When it gets around, start singing all night. Drinking wine, sporty, you to drink wine. Wah, wah. Wah, to drink wine. Wah, wah. Wah, to drink wine. To drink wine. Pass that ball to me. Drinking that mess is their delight. When it gets the wrong, start fighting all
1: night. Knock down winners and turn down doors. Welcome to Knock Tasting down Anarchy down and door door in this very special Valentine's Day, Valentine's Day, Day episode. I'm, I'm Jacob Lindsay and today I am joined by the love of my life and the very... Beautiful woman of our household, my wife.
0: Victoria Lindsay.
1: And we have got a show for you today where we're both going to do a quick review of a wine. And then I'm going to do a summary of a Jeffrey Tucker speech. Or a very brief summary of a Jeffrey Tucker speech that I just thought was appropriate because it's Valentine's Day. So, Victoria, I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you what you're drinking because I'm not sure that you remember it. Okay. Um, or you can read it from the screen if you want. Uh, but it's uh, Dr. Heidemann's <clears throat> Beer Rouse... I'm gonna to try to pronounce this. Beer and Beerin Beer
0: Nosleys.
1: Beer Nosleys? Beer Beer, beer Bear. hmm Okay. It is 9% alcohol by volume. It's a Riesling. It's a little bit different though. I mean you can tell by the 9% alcohol because this is, I believe, an ice wine, which the way that ice wines are done is they wait till there is a freeze. And then they pick the the grapes frozen, so there is not as much sugars. So a lot of times they do have to add sugar or fortify it, which is adding some sort of liquor to make it stronger. But that makes that leaves it uh, very very sweet. Um, So Victoria, what do you think of this wine? Why don't you go and describe it a little bit?
0: So it is very very sweet and it tastes like citrus i would say something like orangey flavor and it's very light so like when you drink it i don't have like a gross aftertaste after a liquor or something mm-hmm. so it's a nice light wine for people who don't want to get too drunk or just like something light that is citrusy
1: and and that like uh very sweet wines yeah. Okay, so one of the descriptions they gave of this is that it is it's slightly buttery. What do you think about that?
0: I'm not sure what you would call buttery, but I don't have that flavor.
1: Okay. Buttery so. meaning like the taste of butter.
0: Yeah, like I, just, I no. No. Okay. No. All right.
1: No. Well, uh, how would you how would you rate this? What, what do you think? Did you like it? Would you want me to buy it for you again or Nope. No.
0: No, my favorite is almond day by Bailey's. So yeah. yeah, and this one is not as near as close. No,
1: but you like you like the kahor that we get at the Russian store sometimes.
0: Yeah, it was pretty good.
1: Would you want to get that one again?
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Okay, so so either Bailey's kahor mm-hmm. or this cream amaretto.
0: Cream amaretto is okay.
1: Okay. All right. So not cream alvarez. Yeah. No. <laughs> All right. So the one that I'm sipping on is in Jacob's style is a dry red wine. It is, uh, Quinta das Carvalhas Reserva Duro 2016. Uh, it's Portuguese wine. So as always, I have no idea how to pronounce it, <laughs> but I think that's close. Uh, it's 13.5% alcohol by volume. It is a very attractive wine. It's a very, very dark red. Um, with sort of like a like a lighter red halo when you when you see some light through it, which is is nice. And usually I like to like pour a small glass and look at it against some white, just because it's it's pretty. I don't know that's one of the attractive things about wine is that it looks nice, it smells nice, it tastes nice. And this one fits all of those.
0: Just like me. <laughs> exactly. Just like you.
1: Uh, so it's 60% uh, Torega uh, Nacional, which is the national grape of Portugal. That's uh, the most common grape found in port. It's 20% Touriga Franca, which is very similar to Rega, to Touriga Nacional. Uh, it's also a very popular grape in port. You're... you're Making the
0: yeah all those names like who would come up with those
1: Portuguese people I guess
0: okay I guess <laughs> yeah
1: so this one the torega Franca is a little bit lighter in flavor and color and it has a much more uh, a lot more of a bouquet than Torrega Nacional and then Tinto Ro- Roriza Tinto Roriza that apparently that's twenty percent of this wine is apparently Tempranillo. So it's the same genetically. Uh, they do grow it in Portugal as well. They just call it something else. This uh, Quinta das Carvalhas Reserva is aged 12 mon- months in oak barrels. I don't know if it is American oak or French oak or maybe there's, I, I mean, I would imagine there's Spanish and Portuguese oak. I have no idea, but it just says 12 months on oak. So that is what would you know impart some of the wood and the the flavors that come out of oak. Um, so I, I think that this is a pretty powerful wine. I used the, the aerator slash filter that Victoria gave me for Christmas uh, and Victoria's genius idea, which was because I don't like using it because it's one filter, one bottle. And she came up with a genius idea of cleaning out a bottle and then pouring it through the filter into a different bottle and then sealing that bottle. That seems to work pretty well. I don't know if that is uh, if that's going to be a problem, if it's going to be too aerated at that point. I don't know, but it tastes pretty good. Um, it is very powerful and, but after going through the aerator, um, it does have, I think like a, 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 very strong, uh, ripe black fruit flavor. It's very fine tannins. There's a, there's a small amount of acidity, but it's not overly acidic. I've had some Portuguese wines that are very, very acidic, very, very fruity. This one's a lot more, I think, uh, even it's very, it's just very well balanced. Uh, and that is it for the wines, uh, because it's Valentine's Day, I did want to recommend a Jeffrey Tucker a Jeffrey Tucker speech that he did at the Atkin Institute called uh, Capitalism is About Love. Which, as he says in the speech, sort of seems counterintuitive to a lot of people. And lately on the Twitter and Facebook, I've been seeing kind of a lot of libertarians who are mm, sort of losing interest in the term capitalism. And, like, that's one of those things where I'm just like, I don't want to give it up. I don't want to give up the word because, you know, leftists or even right-wingers come in and they try to steal it. Actually, right-wingers, I think, are the ones that make capitalism seem bad. Uh, And liberals are the ones that make liberalism seem bad. Or leftists are the ones that make liberalism seem bad. So this speech that Jeffrey Tucker gave, I think it's a really nice speech. And I like the way that Jeffrey Tucker tells stories. He's a good storyteller. And he goes into his experience as a young man and how— being engaged in markets and in the labor force and earning a paycheck and all that sort of stuff really formed his character. And he kind of also goes into how you can't just have free markets. You really do need to have capitalism. And capitalism is because you can have a free market and no capital investment, and you're still going to be poor. Like you go to you do go to a lot of these countries around the world, like he points out, you know, go to Bangladesh or wherever, and you see there's markets everywhere. There's people trading and all that sort of stuff. But what's the thing that they're missing? They're missing capital investment, which means they're going to remain in poverty until somebody comes in for capital, with capital investment. And usually what happens in places like this is somebody does come in with capital investment and then a gang of thieves, either the government or a gang of thieves comes in, they steal the capital and that's what leaves the people in poverty. So he says capitalism does have, if you don't like the term, that's fine, use a different term, but it does, it has this message in it that capital is, is important. And then he tells a kind of a funny story and he says the reason he likes using the word capitalism and when people argue against it, he, he thinks it's sort of like if somebody comes up to you and they say, I don't like chicken. And you say, oh, okay, well, you know, to each his own or whatever. Uh, Why don't you like chicken? And he goes, well, I don't like chicken because the meat is red, and it kind of has, like, a red, juicy blood kind of thing that comes off of it. And before you slaughter the animal, it gives you milk, and it's got these, like, horns and a hoof, and it goes moo." And you go, oh wait a second, you're not. You don't like. It's not that you don't like chicken. You're talking about beef. You don't like beef, and that's sort of what happens with people who say they don't like capitalism. You say, well, why don't you like capitalism? And they say, well, I don't like that it exploits women or minorities, and I don't like that it uh, forms monopolies that are protected by government, and then the, the the politicians they get involved with these big corporations and all that stuff. And you go, whoa, 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 whoa. You're not talking about capitalism. You're talking about mercantilism or what people call crony capitalism or fascism or these types of things. You're not actually talking about capitalism. And so, but he says that's kind of where you have to sort of start with defining. But to the point of capitalism as an act of love, I'm going to summarize this, you know, very, very briefly is he says that the reason that it is an act of love is because when you act in a capitalist or free market system, in order for you to become more wealthy, you have to serve others and make others happy. And that's part of, of what loving is, is doing things for other people. And he kind of equates that he goes through several different things. And, and I'm not going to summarize the entire video because it's an hour long, but it's just one of those videos that I think about a lot. And that I don't think we give enough, I guess, lip service to um, as far as kind of trying to explain it to people who would maybe favor socialism or would favor what, you know, quote unquote, mixed economy or fascism. Um, We don't really explain to them that if they really do truly care about their loved ones, if they really do care about humanity and all that sort of stuff, then they would favor capitalism, which is free association, private property. Private property and freedom of exchange. So it's just a very, very simple thing. And then what you extrapolate from that is fine. You, you do need capital investment in order to become more wealthy. But, you know, our, our friends, our in prim friends would be perfectly fine, you know, in a capitalist system going off. Or we would be perfectly fine with them in a capitalist system going off onto their own property and living in the forest or whatever they want to do. So that's kind of – that's the summary I'm going to give. I'm going to put it in the show notes. I highly recommend the video. I know Jeffrey Tucker lately. I've had some you know on and off love-hate things with him. But uh, overall, I think he's a really, really great guy and uh, was very instrumental in my – in the formation of the way I think in libertarianism and um, I think he I, yeah he's just a great guy he's a cool, cool dude do you have anything you want to add to that Victoria or any questions or anything
0: no I just want to wish everybody have a happy Valentine's Day okay yep
1: and I will say the same uh, I'm not going to say goodbye here because I do have another short wine review I want to tack on to the end of this I wasn't particularly happy with the episode because I just kind of ramble on for a while, but uh, I think that the content's okay, and I think that the wine was interesting. So I'll leave it at that. Stay tuned for that. It'll be on in just a second. Have a good night, everybody. Bye. Hey, everybody. This is Jake from Tasting Anarchy. I wanted to give a quick review today on a really unusual Spanish varietal that I or Spanish wine that I had that's actually made out of three varietals. Before I get into this, I, I just kind of want to let everybody know that this is a pretty mediumly rated wine. This is 88 out of 100 on most sites that, I, that I've found, and a lot of people like it. I really did not think this was a good wine. Um, and the, the, the overwhelming flavor to me that was on this was astringent. It, was, it tasted me- very medicinal, and that just uh, was not very appealing to me. But I did think it was interesting. So I probably won't finish the bottle because the, the flavor was very off-putting to me, but it was just so different than anything I've ever tasted. I wanted to give it a quick review. Maybe you can go pick up one for a good deal and uh it will, you know, you'll like the flavor. Maybe it won't taste as stringent to you. This is called uh close Bartolome. It's a uh, 2016. Um, it is from the region of I'm gonna try to pronounce this, it's from the region of Priorat. In Spain, uh, it is not a very very large region, but it does produce quite a bit of wine. This particular wine is made out of three grape varietals: Grenache, Samso, which I believe is also known as uh, Car- Carignan or Car- Carignan, I think is how you say it, and uh, Cabernet Sauvignon. So it's fifty percent grenacha, forty percent Samso. And, um, 10% Cabernet Sauvignon. Uh, this apparently is a pretty typical blend for Spanish, um, for Spanish varietal or for Spanish wines in this region. And I thought it was pretty interesting. So I think I've told this story before that, uh, total wine has done a 20% off on European varietals. And this was one of the ones I got and I kind of expected it to be more along some of the, Along the lines of some of the other Riojas that I've had, and in this case, it just it just wasn't wasn't what I wanted at all. Um, but I do think that it's interesting. Like I said, so at thirty dollars normally, twenty percent off makes it twenty four dollars. Uh, that price was a little too high for me for this wine, but I think it's interesting. But let me go ahead and read to you guys what some other people said about this wine because I don't want. My own personal taste to kind of poison everybody else's opinion of this. Now, there's a lot of really great sites uh, online that you can read wine reviews from. The wine review that I'm reading right now is just from a, a regular wine drinker. It's on uh, Vivino.com. And this is what a, a nice lady said on there. She said, she only gave it three stars though, but she said, uh, clear, deep ruby red with lazy tears. Uh, that's, that's fairly true. Uh, clean, medium intensity intensity nose of red cherry blackberry toasty cedar eucalyptus and pepper tree youthful dry with medium acidity and tannins high alcohol medium body medium intensity flavor confirms the nose uh medium finish or medium plus finish focused on grippy tannins texture and alcohol as she says good drink now or within five years a bold wine from a small producer in priorat uh decant um then it's, and then she finishes out with the grape varietals. Uh, one thing about, she said, go ahead and decant it. I did try decanting it. It didn't really improve the flavor to me. I also tried my wine filter again, didn't really improve the flavor to me. Um, one thing I did notice on this while I was prepping for the show is on the back, it says to serve it at 64 to 68 degrees Fahrenheit. We usually keep the apartment quite a bit warmer than that. And I just leave my, my red wines on top of the refrigerator. So it, it might be close to that temperature, but maybe it was a little too hot and that kind of made the alcoholiness of it come out too strong. It's hard for me to tell, but that, that, that could be what's going on here. She did mention that it's high alcohol. It is. It's 15% alcohol by volume. I am typically averse to things that are that high in alcohol. If you guys recall, I did a review of uh, a red wine from Moldova called Cahor and, uh, it was too sweet for me but it was also extremely alcoholic and that alcoholic flavor to me is just very off-putting. Um that's really all i have to say about this wine. One again it's it's close Bartholomew uh 2016. If you've got an extra 30 bucks to spare or if you can find it on sale, pick it up because it's interesting and and it i think it has helped me at least in expanding um, expanding my knowledge of what certain wines are like. I'd like to get another one from this region just to see what that's like. And I really, I can't recall when I've had another Grenache or another blend of Grenache and, um or Samso. So it, it, I don't know if this is typical of those, but I, I'm curious to, f- to find out a little bit more about it. I probably won't finish the bottle, like I said. Now, in other news, uh, this past Thursday, well, by the time the show releases I don't know when it's going to have been, maybe two Thursdays prior, but, uh, we did a, a Liberty get together and it was a lot of fun. And we had, uh, Car Campit from the, from, te- uh, Friends Against Government podcast and Mr. Sue from, uh, the Pseudelectual podcast and, uh, Dino from the Dino files and others, uh, all came up and we had pizza at the Mellow Mushroom and just kind of, talk, liberty talk philosophy. It really really reminded me how much I missed the old the good old days when Mason and I used to hang out with the Liberty crew in Virginia Beach. And um it's it's really a lot of fun. So if you guys are Liberty listeners and don't have anything like this in your area, I I highly recommend getting one started. And I will I will always uh retweet people's Liberty gatherings if you tweet Tasting Anarchy and um say, hey, you know, I'm I live in Timbuktu and I'm trying to get a Liberty Gathering going, can you go ahead and retweet this? I'd be very happy to because it it was a lot of fun. Uh, Mr. Sue afterwards came over to, uh, my house and he stayed the night on, on mine and Victoria's couch and, uh, we recorded a episode of his and we recorded an episode of mine that, that I want to edit and get out. I, I haven't had a chance to go through it yet, but he also tried this wine and kind of felt the same way, but, in retrospect, I'm wondering if I did sort of poison his idea about it, because he's not really um, – I mean, he's had wine before, and he had, and we—he and I had wine together that he thought was okay. Um, but he's not really like a heavy wine drinker. And I told him ahead of time what I thought of this wine and then gave it to him. And it kind of is making me think now is uh, – Mason and I are going through kind of our wine journey and don't really know what to expect a lot of times. Like we read about stuff, and the things that attracts us to wine is more of – kind of the unusual story of things. Um, so like if, if I had been given this wine and somebody told me some like really awesome, crazy story about the history of this wine, I might've been more inclined to try to like it. And I'm wondering if not necessarily in Mr. Seuss case, but in, in cases in general, if you describe a wine in a pit, a particular way, is it going to make somebody predisposed to like it more so than something else? So one of the things that really surprised me, um, well, maybe it didn't surprise me so much. For some reason, I have kind of a negative opinion of Lolano, even though they do have a Meritage blend that I think is very good. Uh, there, I've, I've had a couple of others of the Lolano La- Estacado brand, which is a Texas wine brand for those of you who don't know, and I, I just kind of think it's mediocre. The Meritage I thought was very good, and Mr. Sue brought up a bottle of, their, of one of their Tempranillos, and I thought this was a really great Tempranillo. It wasn't what um, I think that I just the wine that I described as being kind of barbecuey was a different one maybe not from Lolano or it could have been from Lolano or or maybe Lolano but a different varietal I'm not sure but uh, I was very surprised at it, so it kind of made me think like so here's a case where I have a brand where I kind of think of the brand as being a cheap brand and it and it is it's you know most of their wines are under fifteen dollars um but it's you know. I think they do make some good stuff, like their Meritage wine. Sixteen dollars, I think it's, uh or maybe it was ten. I think it was ten actually, and I thought that was fairly good. Not as good as a as a, as a nice Bordeaux, like a twenty five dollar Bordeaux or something like that, but it was in the same vein and it did have a very similar flavor. And for ten dollars, you know what a great deal. This Tempranillo, I think it was about sixteen dollars, fifteen or sixteen dollars, and was quite good. And I had already kind of when i saw it went eh i'm not going to like this but then i tried it and was like oh well this is very good but then on this one the uh the close spartolomy i ch- i thought i would like this because i thought it was a rioja so i'm also wondering if maybe i didn't like it because i thought it was going to be similar to a rioja and it turned out to be nothing like a rioja just a completely different wine altogether so this is just kind of me rant having like rambling thoughts or whatever about Uh, You know, flavor in general. I'm also reading a really interesting book called um, Godforsaken Grapes, where they he talks a lot about them doing these like double blind taste tests with different wines, and and it turns out like the wine experts always choose these, not always, but frequently choose things that they would normally dismiss. So like he had an example in there where they did like a they did you know Bordeaux style blends mixed in with Bordeaux's and. The ones that, that won like high marks in this particular double blind test were New Jersey wines of all things. And the uh, wine experts were so offended that they would choose a, a New Jersey wine once the samples were revealed. They had, they, they said, we well, can't publish these or anything like that. So I thought that was kind of interesting, but, uh, there must be, you know, value is subjective. There must be some sort of psychology that goes into the wines that people like or don't like. So I guess keep that in mind when you're trying wines is try to figure out before you dismiss a wine what it is that you're thinking about that wine and why you're thinking that about that wine. I guess that'll be my tidbit for today. So uh, this is the mini episode for this week. I hope that it has been valuable. If it's not valuable to you, let me know. You can tweet me at Tasting Anarchy or you can – email me um, at tastinganarchy at gmail.com or you can uh, reach out to us on the website tastinganarchy.com. Uh, we're always very happy to uh, hear from everybody whether it's positive or negative. You know, if it's a negative, then we can try to improve. If it's positive, it makes us feel good. Uh, check out some of the other great podcasts that are kind of in our podcasting community. As I mentioned earlier, the Pseudoelectric the pseudo-electual with Mr. Sue. I really, really liked meeting Dino. Uh, I've only listened to maybe five or six of his podcast episodes, but I just like him. And uh, we had a really great conversation. We, we have a lot of disagreements, but we also have a lot in common. And I would really like to go up to his part of Texas and, and see him. So check out the Dino Files. That's his show. Um, he also... He has a... Uh, internet, basically a, a podcasting network, internet radio network um, called AIR. Um, so his show's on there as well. It's alternative internet radio. His show's on there. I guess he's also in, I think he's in Any Files also, but I, I don't know that for sure. But there's a, there's a number of other shows. That's where The pseudolectual is. And um, like I said, check out The Pseudelectual. Our good friends at The Friends Against Government, check them out because they are a lot of fun. And Carr and I have... All sorts of different plans in the works as we are going to start mentioning regularly. Look out because in June we're going to be doing a get-together down near Austin. It's going to be called Childeberg. And it's just going to be a wine. Well, I'm sure that there'll be other stuff going on, but it's going to be wine, camping, and just having a good old Liberty time. So I think that's all the plugs I've got. Uh, until next time, stay free. fighting all night. Knock down
0: windows and tan down doors. Drinking half gallons and calling for more. Drinking wines for you to drink wine. Mop, mop. you to drink wine. Mop, you to drink Pass that bottle to me. Hoy! Drink that man. Oh, give me some of that slaw Oh, pass that bottle to me If you want to get along in Peterstown Buy some wine and pass it around the age runs up to 49 All them cats, they love sweet wine Drinking wine, for you to drink wine Wines for you to drink wine Wines for you to drink wine Pass that bottle to me Hoy! Wine, wine, wine elderberry. Cherry, cherry, blackberry, port and sherry. Oh, pass that bottle to me. Now down on Gilsey at Willie's den, he wasn't selling but American gin. One soldier wanted a bottle of wine. He hipped that can for a dollar and a dime. A drink of wine for the order, drink wine, wine for the order, drink wine, wine for the the order, drink wine. I got a nickel, have you got a dime? Let's get together and get some wine. Somebody's fifth and somebody's fourth. When you get together, you're doing things smart. Drinking wine, Spotiota, drink wine. Bye, bye. Wine, to drink wine. Bye, bye. Wine, to drink wine. Bye, bye. Pass that ball to you.